What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, this is Megan Rapino, and I'm Sue Bird. We've decided to turn our crazy IG live show into a podcast for your listening pleasure. Enjoy the show. A Touch More. New episodes of A Touch More drop Tuesday only on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. Be sure to subscribe to the show on Spotify, Apple, or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. It's Chris Amania, brother. That's a great question. Look at you, man, with the powerful questions. (laughs) Woo! This is the Chris Van Vliet Show. Chris Van Vliet Show. Ladies and gentlemen, Chris Van Vliet! Greetings and salutations, my friends. Welcome back to another audio adventure on the Chris Van Vliet Show. This episode is brought to you by Bet Online and... After I had Matt Cardona, a.k.a. Zach Ryder, on the show a few weeks ago, a lot of you tweeted me and sent me messages on Instagram asking, when's his tag team partner, Kurt Hawkins, going to be on? Well, wait no longer. And he has such an interesting story because this is the second time he's been released. And you'll hear it here, but he dives into all the reasons why his first release, his firing, as he calls it, in 2014, was so different than the one he just had here on April 15th. Of course, Matt and Brian, that's Kurt Hawkins' real name there, Brian Myers. Of course, they host the Major Wrestling Figure podcast together. You can listen to that wherever you're listening to this. And if you if you happen to be listening to this on Apple Podcasts, I'd like to thank you for leaving a review or thank you in advance for the review that I know you're going to leave because it only takes a few seconds. And that's really all I ask of you. I mean, sure, you can buy my merch on Pro Wrestling Tees or on my website, website chrisfanfleet.com. But a review, I mean, that, that's really all I need. Just, just, just a few seconds of your time. And we're just, we're just 25 away from the goal of 1,000 reviews as I record this right now. The goal is 1,000 reviews before the podcast turns one year old. On June 24th, which is totally going to happen. Only 25 away. Getting excited about this. I also want to thank you for listening and those reviews. They've been so important in helping to keep the show in the Apple Top 200 for the third week in a row. Oh, man. Uh, Reviews are like the biggest thing to help that out. So thank you. Reviews like this one from Dastardly Davey or Dastardly Dave I in Cincy. Hey, I live in Cincinnati right now, which I... I guess that means dastardly Dave. We are neighbors. He says, best wrestling interviews anywhere. There are a lot of wrestling podcasts. Many are good, some not so good. Yours is one of the few that I would call great. You manage to be topical and nostalgic and get more out of guests than most interviewers in the wrestling world. Keep up the great work. Well, thank you, Dave. And I'm sure I'll run into you at Mad Tree or Brewdog and we can totally too sweet together. Those are awesome breweries in Cincinnati for anyone who's wondering. So there's a lot in this chat with Brian Myers, a.k.a. Kurt Hawkins. He's probably best known for the 269 match losing streak that he had and was snapped at WrestleMania last year when he won the tag team titles with Zack Ryder's. Zack Ryder's? Zack Ryder. (laughs) He also has his own wrestling school in New York called Creative Pro. And they have a few graduates that I'm, I'm, I'm sure you've heard of. MJF and Chris Statlander. And he talks about he talks about how he applied the knowledge that he had as a wrestling school owner, as a wrestling school instructor, to being a backstage producer in WWE. He, he did that briefly while he was injured. And he lists off some of the great producers that he learned from, like Jamie Noble and Tyson Kidd. And speaking of learning, speaking of learning, he talks about what it's like to work with Edge as part of the Edgeheads. That was good stuff, right? He's about to be a father for the second time in just a few weeks. So a big, big pre-congrats to him and his wife, Lizzie. And without further ado, let's get to it. Ladies and gentlemen, 
Kurt Hawkins. Thank you so much for joining me for this. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. I was kind of thinking you might have the big headset like uh, Matt Cardona had on, you know, because you guys do host the podcast. We host the uh, major wrestling. It's already beginning. (laughs) This wonderful mug here is available at ProWrestlingTees.com. I think that's what makes the podcast work so well. We're very yin and yang. He's very over the top, as you experienced last week. And uh, I'm a little more, you know, down to earth. Just just a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah. It's a yin and yang relationship, but it really works, you know. Uh, are you guys still talking every single day? Obviously, we're seeing each other every single uh, day. I, I can't even tell you how many times I communicate with Matt Cardona every single day of my life, whether it's, I mean, at this point, I think we're in probably close to 20 group chats with different groups of people, you know, guys we started with, guys we're in the main roster with, guys that are in Detroit, like it just never ends. And then we, of course, have the major wrestling figure podcast business that we need to conduct day to day. So it's it's a lot of communication. I'm wondering if you can plug the major wrestling figure podcast as much as he did. I think he did so much that I don't even need to attempt that. But, you know, we're there. You can find us. I think people already know. Anywhere you're listening to this, you can find that podcast. Exactly. And on YouTube and things like that. Well, all over and that's right. Anywhere you're watching this, or if you're watching yeah. this on YouTube, then I'll link it below. There we go. You're a pro. Wow. I, I guess that's what people do, right? Yeah. So how, how is everything in your world? Good, good. Um, obviously, the world's a little strange right now. Um, but I, you know, I try to remain uh, to be a positive person at all times, even in a pandemic like this, which is a word I didn't even know it that meant a couple months ago. But uh, it, especially like, you know, being a full time on the road, active WWE wrestler, you know, our time at home is pretty precious. Uh, and so now I'm, I'm getting my fill and it's, it's nice. You know, I missed a lot of things being on the road four and a half days a week for three or four years or whatever it was. So, uh, I'm enjoying it. You know, I have a three-year-old daughter, another baby on the way. So a very pregnant wife and, uh, I'm, I'm enjoying spending time with them. Yeah. I read your wife's blog post. Like she's like, gonna like, she's due it like next month, right? Yeah. We have, we're about the, uh, one month countdown here. Oh man. Well, how yeah. excited are you for that? Uh, very excited. I, it's another uh, baby girl. I like being a girl dad. Um, my whole life, I just wanted to be a pro wrestler and a dad. And I always thought I wanted to have sons, you know. And uh, our, my daughter, Mackenzie, when she was born, my wife and I decided to make it a surprise. We wrote it all the way out to the delivery room. She comes out, and it's a girl. And I wish there was like some kind of recording of my face because I just mentally convinced myself it was a boy. And I was just like in pure shock. Like, <laughs> unbelievable shock like a oh, girl what am i supposed to do with a baby girl and uh it's just changed my life so much and i love it and i couldn't even imagine having a boy now so when i found out this one was gonna be another girl i kind of did the <clears throat> i did like the uh michael jordan fist pump in our uh, kitchen when we found out because i just I, I love it so much man it's changed me uh in such a good way it's made me a better person um i, I just i couldn't imagine my life without her now you know well, wait, if you rode that one out all the way until the delivery room, why did you spoil the surprise this time? So we were going to, but then with what things going on and stuff, and there's like different rules at the hospital. And like, it's just the whole experience was, I don't want to say ruined, but it was going to be very different. Um, you know, family's not allowed there. I'm barely allowed there. So uh, we were like, let's just, you know, and we wanted to be prepared with the way uh, shopping has been, you know. So we were like, let's just, you know, it's just a weird time. So, I mean, if there was ever a time that you'd want to be home, now seems like the perfect time for you to be. Home. It is nice. Yes. I mean, my wife, you know, like you said, is very pregnant and needs the help too. A lot of times, you know, she can't be running around with this crazy three-year-old and running around singing songs from trolls and the, the dancing and the, the things I'm required to do every day, you know? Uh, is your wrestling school still there's the There's the mug again. There it is. Oh, yeah. I wish I had a creative pro one too. So we just changed it. Yeah. Is creative pro project. doing anything right now i know there's a lot of people uh, that are doing some we shut it down about exactly two months ago when this all really hit um just out of like obviously the whole world shut down we thought it'd be kind of uh foolish to keep it open you know so right now it's there we're just waiting to get back out i miss it like dearly um this is the longest i haven't been in a wrestling ring since i was 18 so i'm i'm dying you know i want to it's it's like you know my where i belong kind of thing so i'm I'm itching to get back there. I love coaching. I love training. I, lo- I love just being in ring shape. You know, it's just kind of eating me alive that I can't do that. You can, I mean, it's your ring. You can get back there anytime and just, you know, bump around. Yeah, I, it's also like, 
35 years old. I really need to go and just take bumps by myself, you know, and add to that bump card for no reason. I'll wait till uh, we can all safely get in there and have like a kick-ass, sweaty practice, you know, the way I, I like to. It, it, I mean, some other companies, some other wrestling schools have been doing Zoom seminars or something like that. Is that anything you've considered? Yeah. So when you join the school, we have like a private Facebook group where we interact in there and we were putting in uh, classic matches and critiquing them and all having these open discussions about them. You know, why, why is this a great match? Why do you like this match? Things like that. You know, why yeah. did so-and-so do that? You know, uh, so we opened up the learning in that aspect, which we love to do too. I mean, we have promo days there. We have uh, tape study like that anyway at the school. So uh, a little bit of everything. So how is this release different from the first release that you had in 2014? Oh, uh, it's not even uh, comparable to, for me, at least. Mm-hmm. In uh, 2014, I was dying to go. You know, like I was. It was probably the worst point in my career, and it sounds uh, maybe idiotic to say. You know, you're you're making six figures and working for the WWE, but like I was being paid. Basically, I got hurt in uh, 2012, and never ever got like full time travel again. Like not even close. Like it'd be months, and then I'd go to a random TV, and then months off. So. I felt like I was being paid to not participate in something that I love, like to no end. So the way it made me feel was so awful that like I couldn't wait. Like I just wanted to go somewhere, you know, even if I wrestled in a VFW in front of 25 people, just to feel appreciated was like what I wanted. You know, I wanted to do my craft and be appreciated no matter what. And I felt so, you know, it's weird To, to, to be paid to not participate in something you love was just an awful, awful feeling for me. So when I got call- that call in 2014, at first I thought they were going to like make me go to the PC and do something. And I was like, oh, come on. And they just fired me. Like, I'm like, yes, to fire? Okay, yeah. And I don't know why. Like, looking back on it, maybe I should have just manned up and quit or something. But uh, it, w- it was one of the best things that ever happened. Wow. And then uh, from there, you went straight into the Indies. Yeah, I got fired on Thursday. I uh, wrestled Friday, Saturday, and just never stopped. Literally every weekend for uh, two years straight. Traveled the world, traveled the country. Uh, worked for Global Force, worked for Impact. Um, I, uh, so, so many awesome places that I still have great relationships with. Um, I, I loved it. I, I I got signed, you know, Zach and I or Matt, we got signed at 20 years old. So we didn't get to experience all that stuff. And uh, I was, I love wrestling in all shapes and sizes, you know, whether it's WWE or like I said, in the VFW in front of 20 people. I freaking love pro wrestling. So I needed to get all that out of my system anyway. And I had a great time doing it. So what's different about this time around? I just wasn't expecting it. I mean, I can be completely honest with you and everybody watching or listening to this. Like, uh, I, ha- I had just signed uh, the previous spring, a five-year contract. I did some time um, in 2018 as a producer even when I got hurt. And I was just kind of not... I-, I mentally was like, okay, this is my life. You know, I signed this long-term deal. This is where I'm going to be. You know, the seeds have been planted for like, a career out of the ring with WWE, you know, so I was really cemented in mentally and in my heart is being a part of this WWE family for a long time to come, you know, so, so it was shocking. And I, I didn't expect them to let go of so many people in the middle of this pandemic when, I mean, even to right now, no other wrestling company has done so, but somehow the most powerful one in the world did. It's a little head scratchy, you know, I don't make those decisions, but it is what it is. Well, I, I had Aiden English on recently, and you know he was quick to point out it wasn't just the names that you saw that were released; it's everyone that was working, you know, corporate in the office. Oh, like they wiped up the entire live event department. Every every single person that was part of making live events go, you know, market reps and the people behind the scenes and all these guys that work behind these live events are either furloughed or let go. So mm-hmm. it's, it's very sad. I mean, it's crazy sad, especially you know that WWE is like a big family. Like I said, you you're with these people. More than your immediate family most times, you know, and you're with them for the best and the worst, you know, traveling these hard schedules and, you know, it, it's tough. I would have to think, though, that the worst is over. I would have to think that stuff is starting to open up. Are you hopeful that, you know, maybe you could go back there? Um, I, you know, obviously it's never say never. And some people I, I think I have a great relationship with WWE, you know, people with the worst relationship ever have come back. So, uh. I would never say never. I I can't just sit around and wait for that and you know feel sorry for myself. That's just not my style. I'm super excited. I mean, after the I'd say about the 24 hour shock of being let go, it's like rearview mirror for me. You know, I'm I'm moving ahead. I want to do things I want to do. 
um, while I still can, while I'm still young and like healthy and feel great. And uh, pre-pandemic, pro wrestling was like unreal, booming on fire all over the place. Like so, the the possibilities and the opportunities are so endless and exciting. So whatever, you know, I, it's like I can't, it's like dwelling on an ex girlfriend. I'm not going to sit around and wait for her to call me. You know, like I'm going to go out and live my life. But the, the interesting thing is wrestling went from the highest of highs last year, 2019, the best time to be a wrestler, best time to be a wrestling fan. Yeah, and now it has gone to the lowest of lows, <laughs> you know, and it's just crazy how quickly that happened. I mean, life, uh, things change, man. That, that's life, you're right. So, uh, and you got to just roll with the punches. So I, I think from this low, we're going to see maybe even a higher high because the wrestlers, the fans, everybody's going to be so appreciative of of the of the art of pro wrestling when it's finally you know back in its live form the way it's supposed to be. Uh, I think it's going to be a really exciting time. Well, I mean, you're a wrestler, but you were first a wrestling fan. So when you're watching, you know, the content that's going on right now as a wrestling fan, what's your take on watching these matches or participating in these matches without fans? Uh, I mean, obviously, I understand it and why it has to go on and you know the legality of it i guess but like i said wrestling is live performance art and it's not meant to be done you know the way it's being done right now and that's unfortunate and really it just breaks my heart you know all these like you know probably pretty unbelievable moments you know becky lynn's announcing her pregnancy or you know uh brody lee appearing at a dub like these things that the reactions if this they were buildings jammed with people it's just like sad for me as a wrestling fan to see that like they're still doing it and it was cool and all but man would have missed like unbelievable unforgettable thing that these moments could have been and it's just sad and i understand it it is what it is and at least it's i guess better than nothing you know i feel like on one hand it's been this tiny little slice of normalcy going look there still is something live going on on tv when all the other sports have been canceled but at the same time, then you watch these matches and you hear the echo of, you know, the oh. their feet in the ring and you go, oh, maybe life isn't normal. It's not. It's not. It's definitely not normal. Like wrestling's not meant to be presented like that. It's just just it, it is what it is. Do you have a you know, do you have a plan in place? Obviously, you being released in 2014 probably helped you kind of prepare for something like this. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh like I said, I have so many contacts and, uh, you know, awesome relationships that I established back then. I still, you know, friends that I've made and things like that. So, and like I said, wrestling, there's so much opportunity everywhere. Yeah. Um, I think getting fired, like I said, I was not expecting this at all. So they, it really did blindside me where like, I wasn't thinking about, oh man, what, where could Brian Myers, you know, the Prince of Queens wrestle next? I that wasn't even on my radar because it, to me, it wasn't even a possibility. So it was a big shock. Um, I sat and I thought about it and I was like, okay, I was making a lot of money in WWE, more money than I ever fathomed. You know, my childhood dream come true. I, uh, I had some incredible moments and things that are unforgettable. Uh, I have my family and my house and I'm happy. And Matt and I have this podcast, which even if in WWE, if like, you know, where you get creatively stifled, we have this podcast that's this incredible, creatively creative outlet for us where we just go wild and really embrace you know, how much we still love pro wrestling and things like that. But the one thing, the one thing that really bothered me and that I really didn't, I feel like I had any control of was that my in-ring career, bell to bell, had been stifled to seven-minute matches on main event. And I was going out there to the best of my abilities and making the most of those situations. Like, you know, I've never, ever not given 110% in any match I've ever had, ever. But there's only so much you can do in that situation. Um, so I feel like the, the biggest positive I'm going to pull out of this whole thing is that while I'm still young, healthy, in the prime of my career, I can go out and have barn burners with whoever, wherever, wherever I go, and really cement the legacy of my career in the ring, you know, bell to bell, where it, it just was kind of flatlined. You know, I feel like that's the opportunity I've been given in this uh, firing, if you will, you know really ironic about your career is you got the most over by losing like a lot uh, and it's just so ironic that it, it took you putting a whole bunch of people over for you to get over it's uh one of the most proud things i've 
ever done in my career is I took literally nothing and turned it into something. And I took something that, and this is no shot, but 95% of my colleagues that I ever had would sit around and boo-boo face about it and be completely pissed off. And I just shoved it up everyone's ass, turned it into something cool because I had the foresight to see it, you know, and it paid off. It really paid off. I mean, I got to win the Raw Tag Team titles in my hometown for my friends and family at WrestleMania, you know, and I honestly, I never had more fun during the losing streak. I never made more money. So it's just like people at the end of the day, wrestling is a show and you got to remember that sometimes, you know, so everyone plays their part. You know, not everyone. I always say this all the time. Not everyone can be Roman Reigns. Roman Reigns is the man. He's got a cool ass spot. He makes a ton of money, but that's his spot. You know, and there's only a handful of those. Not everyone can have that. You know, if, if everyone on the show just won all the time, what the hell kind of show would that be? You know? So, uh, you know, I just spun it into something fun. It became, it just became a, this thing that's life of its own. And like, we could be in, the middle of nowhere in some live event and like people really cared about my match like they wanted to be there to say they saw me win you know they that, that final time you know even if they didn't know why i was kurt hawkins or whatever they just knew oh it's the guy that loses all the time oh my god you know and and they were invested in, in what i was doing and it was the best feeling you know speaking so of just, roman reigns i just saw him in a netflix movie that came out this week with david spade called the wrong missy so yes roman reigns is the man he's everywhere. Right. he's my favorite um I, I he's your say, favorite He's my favorite top guy I've ever shared a locker room with. Okay. The way, he, the way he treats everybody, the mutual respect. I think the voice have for him, he has for the boys. You know, he doesn't act like he's bigger than, you know, somebody else. And uh, he, he's just very fair and, and cool. And, that, and that's all you need when you're one of the boys, and, you know. I read in another interview that you didn't realize you were on a losing streak until someone basically put, out, put it out there that you had lost 100 in a row. And I find that so hard to believe. You're going out there and losing for 99 matches and not realizing. I had just been put in that spot. So I'm not like, I don't know. It, it might sound weird. Like I said, I'm going to work and I'm doing what I'm told and doing it to the best of my abilities. But I wasn't showing up like, oh, man, I hope I get a win today. Like, I just, I just don't think like that, you know? So, so you just like, looked okay. at the match card and just went, oh, I'm losing to this person. You didn't even I mean, when I got the streak, that was, that was the best part. Think about all the politics that go into pro wrestling, like who's going to win and this and that. That part of my job was completely taken out. So I'm going in like, oh, yeah, dude, what do you want to do? What's your finish? Oh, cool. I'll take that. Awesome. You know, like I, I, I wiped that out. So think about like the, the ease I had going into work every day. And then that somebody wrote like an article like on a, on a dirt sheet or something. And fans were like, I think tagging me in it, like mocking me on Twitter. And I was like, OK, that's definitely true. Like, I'm sure I've lost 100 matches in a row. I mean, I, I had vignettes that went nowhere. I didn't even win coming out of those when I came back. So, like, I didn't really have, you know, uh, these crazy high expectations. I just wanted to have fun and do my job and do it well. Did you then start keeping track of your losses? That's when, it, that's when I started to. Okay. And I think the initial, to me, I was like, oh, if I can get to, like, 150, that would be, like, epic. And then we got past 150, get to like 200. I'm like, 200 has got to be the one where they're going to be like, okay, let's do something. 200 comes and goes. And I'm like, holy smokes. Maybe, uh, I mean, it was fun and it, it all worked out. But I was like, I kept thinking there was a couple of times that maybe, okay, that's a lot of losses. Maybe this will stop. You know, you would think of it, you know, take a step back. If wrestling was real, if someone was that bad at their job, you, you know, technically, <laughs> you'd think they would like be fired or something, you know, ca character wise. Yeah. Well, so. Was there ever a point where you got to TV and they were like, oh, yeah, you know, you're in this three minute match, a main event, and you're going to beat, you know, so and so? There was a hundred percent. There was a time, I'll never forget it. I guess it was uh, August 2017, coming off of that SummerSlam in Brooklyn. Yeah. And I was, uh, it was me versus Heath Slater on main event. And uh, I guess in the meeting, Vince was like, we're, we're in Hawkins' hometown. Let's, let's give him a win. <laughs> like, you know, and there, this writer came out to tell me, and he was like super excited. He's like, hey, you're going to beat Slater tonight. I was like, oh, no, 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 no. And I was like, I had the streak on. I was probably at like 120-ish by then or whatever. And I was like, no, I, like, I kind of want to like ride this out and see where it can go. It's kind of exciting. Like beating Heath, I mean, event's going to be forgotten by the time I leave the building. Like, that's not worth it to me. And then I could tell the guy was like hesitant, and I'm like, Look, I was like, everyone's wearing my streak in this company except Vince. Am I right in saying that? He's like, that's probably true. I was like, can you just tell him? I, you know, he explained and he like, thank God he kind of went to bat for me, explained it to Vince. And Vince was like, okay. I mean, I'm sure that's not a uh, request he gets very often from talent, but uh, it was worth it. And I'm, I'm sure it's not a match that 
you know, he even watched or even remembered anyway. So the funny thing about that is I mean, that's another thing. People just boo boo face about being on main event. Like it's not important. That show airs all over the world, makes millions of dollars for the company and TV rights. Okay. You're always on first or second. The crowd is unreal hot. No matter if you're, you know, a high level guy, they know, or you're, and, and Joe Schmo, the crowd's just hot and excited to see wrestling. So that's exciting to go out there every time. And throughout my last run in doing these matches, Vince is preparing for the show sitting in his office and he has a monitor and he's, he's watching that. So like a lot of pushes and, you know, career changes have kind of come from him just sitting there, uh, not being bothered by anyone, actually getting his undivided attention, sitting alone in his office to watch your match. So it's wow. way different than even I've seen him. I've seen matches live on Raw where there's like a, you know, a barn burner going on, but there's four writers and producers running in and out asking questions where like, there's no way he even saw like one move in that match. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, what a positive spin to put on that. I like that. There's been plenty of that. I, don't, I won't name the talent, but there was one t- another time I remember it was supposed to be a certain person against Kalisto. And then the, the talent said something like, don't ever book me on that effing show ever like i'm but it's beneath me or whatever so like last minute they threw me in against kalisto and kalisto and i hadn't worked on live and so we had like a match that i could do in my sleep but it was a very fun you know all his lucha like you know basic him for cool things and whatever do it knock it out of the park whatever and it's just you know another day at the office for me but vince watched it and i think he's pulled kalisto aside and he pulled me aside and he told someone else like oh god damn it that match is good shit you know that kind of thing so like <laughs> i don't know when you first, you know, realized, hey, I could turn this thing into a storyline. Who did you have to approach about that? And when you pitched them the idea of like, I just want to keep this losing streak going, what kind of response is that met with? I think I, for sure people, like I said, in the business, especially people are sensitive about losing these matches and stuff. You know, the perception of it is never good. But I was like, let's just go for it. Like, I'll be the best loser in the world. Like, let me just keep riding this out and see where it goes. That day in Brooklyn where it was brought to Vince's attention was a big turning point. Um, the, the, I did the where I was supposed to beat the local on Raw and Corbin kind of screws me over and slams into, slams into a table of tacos. That was a big turning point. I appreciated the crowd chanting, we want tacos. During yeah, that. it was just like, that was like where I was like, okay, like this is going to work. Like if you just let it happen. And then there was a couple times where they put the ticker up on Raw for my matches and things like that. And then finally I had, I just, uh, I had like a main event match. I was all like, you know, you know, you get that adrenaline flowing. And I, I noticed on my way out uh, or to a gorilla, like there was like a line of superstars outside Vince's office. I was like, oh God, one of those days. And then I had this match. I just had my adrenaline flow and I felt like oh, I had a good pump. And I'm just like, and I, I'm walking past his um, office and he hadn't come out yet to go uh, to gorilla for raw. And I was like, you know what? Screw this. Oh, I knocked in. I was like, look, like the streak is, there's something going on. I just need your help. I need, I don't need to win, not at all. I don't need anything like that, but I just need like weekly representation on television as a reminder to the fans. That's it. I was like, I've done everything on my end, like on social media and at live events and on main event. I was like, I just need that little help from you with the exposure. And he was like, he was all bored. And then I, I got hernia like two weeks later. So like, I want to say it was like the following week. Yeah. But that's when he, uh, he made me a producer for two months. Nice. Well, what was your best case long-term scenario because obviously it played out really well winning the tag titles in your hometown at wrestlemania i mean that was pretty incredible but when you first started this what in your mind was your best case scenario i literally tried to not think about it because then i was like then i'll go crazy if i'm trying to figure out like this that um i thought there was like the mania prior i was like man winning the andre would be kind of cool you know or at least being in there for the end where people like or like, oh shit, is this it? You know, like just to have that moment. That was like the only time I ever even like kind of inched towards like maybe, you know? Um, Cause I just didn't want to think about it. it. And then the way it ended was so above and beyond my wildest dreams anyway. So, um, you know, the patience kind of just paid off for me. I was there, I was there at WrestleMania and like the crowd erupted because it, it's such a relatable underdog story. Oh, it's so easy, like I said, Roman Reigns rules, but not everyone can be Roman Reigns. You know, you got to tell different stories and you got to have everybody on the card. You know, if they're involved doing little different things. And like I said before, just having some kind of representation on the show, it just helps everybody and it helps the show overall, I think. And I've, I'm always going to feel that way. Is the plan moving forward for you to wrestle under your real name? Yeah. I mean, I established that 
the first firing. Yeah. And I think Matt and I have really established it with our fan base with the podcast. So there's no need. I and you know, I'm one of those weirdos. Like I've loved wrestling since I was I can remember I was five years old. You know, I saw uh, WrestleMania six and just have literally never stopped loving it. And I never I don't know, <laughs> I think I was just such a fan. I didn't think that these guys were characters. Like I just thought Hulk Hogan was Hulk Hogan. There's no way he's Terry Bollea from Tampa. You know, like he's Hulk Hogan. So in my mind, I'm like, I'm Brian Myers. That's who I have to be when I'm a wrestler. Because that's what people's names are. I just, I don't know. Ultimate Warrior was Ultimate Warrior to me. I just, I don't know. Didn't make any I, sense. I feel like like a new era of wrestling is being ushered in with everyone working under the real name. Because you think back, and we're about the same age. So you think back, mm-hmm. the only people who wrestle under their real names are the people who had names outside of wrestling. Kurt yeah, Angle, right. Brock Lesnar, yeah. Dan Severn, Tank like Adams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Everyone else got a gimmick name. That's true. I mean, I think for the boys' sake and legality, like whatever, you might the, the stronger you can make, you know, your brand and it's your name that you own forever and no one's ever going to take that from you, you're better off. So you're now Myers underscore wrestling on social media. Yeah. I figured that it was time to let that, the Kurt Hawkins handle go. You know, I can't imagine being on someone else's television with that, you know, in the lower third. I don't think any uh, promoter would appreciate that. So. I imagine, uh, you know, you probably looked for Brian Myers, probably got taken many, many years ago. Whew, man, my name is so generic that, uh, like, prior to meeting my wife, man, I could even, like, meet women. I'd be like, find me on Facebook. And they're like, which one are you? There's 7 million Brian Myers, you know, so. You're like, no, uh, it's the Brian with an I, okay? Yeah, it was not easy to, I wanted it, my Instagram and my Twitter to be the same. And it was just not easy, man. It was, I got it done, but. What is in this mug, by the way, that you keep flashing for everybody? This is a uh, bang energy drink, actually. Oh, okay. Well, I wasn't yeah. sure if we were drinking coffee or tea. No, I'm probably going to uh, go get a little we'll workout in when we're done here. So. Are you are you plugging bang energy? I love bang. Bang wants to send me some free bangs. Yeah, sure. Well, there we go. It's, it's, <laughs> it's happening now. Are you yeah. going to keep the long hair? Yeah, you know what? That was like uh, another kind of crappy thing about being fired the first time. I had like, I got hurt. And I cut my hair and I was trying to come back to WWE's, you know, with, you know, some kind of changes and it just never happened. So like I got fired, hadn't been on TV in like consistently in like two years and I looked different. I was like, oh my God, I'm really like digging a hole for myself here. Um, I love having long hair. All the wrestlers like that I admired growing up had long, cool hair, you know, Bret Hart, Shawn Michaels, Mr. Perfect kind of thing. Uh, I pretty much, after that experiment of cutting it off, I pretty much decided that I'm going to, you know, ride it out Michael Hayes style until the day I die and, you know, be a long, be a long haired brother is my, that's my mission now. How do you look, your short hair looked good. I was a little bit jealous of how that looked. Yeah. I have a really uh, talented barber from my hometown, Glen Cove, Brad Biz, and he's uh, incredible. And I thought it was cool, but it just never, uh, it never like got me on television or anything. So I was like, ah, and I just thought when I picture pro wrestler, I picture long, long hair, you know, long, wet hair for whatever reason. So, you know, the guys you just listed with the long hair, are those the guys that you grew up idolizing? Those were your favorites? Yeah, my my first crop of, like, favorite wrestlers, like, just from seeing it jump was obviously Ultimate Warrior because of just, you know, the, the neon and the over-the-topness. And then the Rockers are, like, my be-all-end-all as a kid. And I really loved Texas Tornado when I was a kid. Wow, like, those okay. were my first, those were my first, first favorite yeah. wrestlers. And yeah. the next era, like, 10 years later was... And it was, like, Mr. Perfect and Brett and Sean forever and ever. Um, my, my, no, it's Roman Reigns. No, no, Roman. Yeah, he's the best. But uh, uh, I don't. I look at things differently now, like through like a worker's eye and stuff. Like I love Chris Candido is one of my all-time favorites. I love Brian Pillman, uh, Eddie Guerrero. Um, there's quite a few. Raven is one of my all-time favorites. All right, I got to take a minute to thank our sponsor for this episode, betonline.ag. And there is no shortage of action going on at our exclusive partner, BetOnline. NASCAR is back and BetOnline has hundreds of other games, events, and sports that you can get in on. Uh, You can bet on their simulated NFL, NBA, and UFC events 24-7, or you can participate in a $10,000 Madden Bracket Challenge. It's a March Madness-style NFL simulation tournament that you can enter for free. 
And live right now on Bet Online's YouTube channel, you'll find an exclusive with ex Chicago Bulls Ron Harper, Horace Grant, Bill Cartwright, and Craig Hodges to discuss the Michael Jordan documentary on what they're calling the final dance. Visit betonline.ag, use the promo code BLUEWIRE to receive your new welcome bonus, and check out all the action there. Bet Online, it's your online wagering solution. Growing up as a huge wrestling fan and now being a wrestler, has it made you love the business more or has it made you see some kind of, you know, cracks in the system here and go, oh, of course, but like as much. I think being a professional wrestler is such a, uh, a gift, almost, you know, a privilege. That's the word I'm looking for, a privilege. Yeah. And if you don't love it, you don't belong in it because it's so strange and it's it's unlike absolutely anything else in the whole world no other business no other art it's just like all to its own like between everything you know the pageantry and the politics and the this and that and the athletics you know so it, i always told myself if i ever lost that like boyhood wonder about it then it's not worth it you know like if i didn't love it like i did when i was five then i should probably not put so much effort into something that's so insane like like it is so yeah. i've always tried to maintain that i imagine being a producer probably made you love it more though that i mean so that <laughs> i had that awesome talk with vince uh i got hernia i don't i think i actually think and he denies it but i think it was picking zach Ryder up on a live event and slamming him i got a hernia and uh man i was nervous like it was such a low hernia I thought something was wrong with like my testicles. So I was like pretty nervous. And then I got to the doctor and they were like, it's hernia. And I was almost like, oh, thank God. Yeah. Got it all situated, scheduled surgery, called the office, explained like, okay. They're like, cool. And I'm like, okay, it's like a two month thing. That was um, like September, 2018. So I was like, oh, I was like, man, you know, weather is, is nice and cool. Football starting on two months off and hang out with my daughter and just kind of chill. But like, you know, I've been on the road two years straight at that point, like really hard, plus the Indies and years before that. Yeah. I was like, cool. Explained everything in the office, done deal. The next day, Mark Carano called me, he goes, Vince saw your name on the injury report and he thinks that he, um, it'd be good for you to start like uh, as like an understudy producer the whole time you're out. And I was like, okay. Who did you so study? It was flattering. Yeah, it was flattering to be picked for something like that, but I was like, oh man, I was so checked out. I was ready for this cool two-month vacation here. Uh, <laughs> And then I wound up working probably more hurt than I would have as a talent because I was going to both TVs, you know, suit, tie, the whole, all that, you know, but nice. um, absolutely awesome learning experience to be in there and see like really how the wheels are turning and how things get done. I would love to stay here right now. A whole new appreciation for the writers who get so much shit, the producers that get so much shit, like their job is so thankless and difficult. And sometimes they're like, there is no right answer because you're not going to get it. You know what I mean? And it's, it's hard. It's very, very hard. Um, and, and it's just cool. I, it made me a better performer. You know, I, I could see how things work, you know, things like that. So I was looking forward to when it was over and I got cleared. I told Vince to his face. I said, thank you so much. This was a very flattering experience. And I learned a lot. But like, you know, steal one from Jim Ross. Father time is undefeated. And uh, I need to get in the ring. Until my body tells me no, you know, because my head for this and my heart will always be there. I can always be a producer. Yeah. If you were an understudy for someone, who who were you studying under? Um, to me, uh, the most untouchable producer. Uh, well, there's two. I think right now it's uh, Jamie Noble, who's like, I don't. I mean, he can barely read and write, but he's like a pro wrestling genius. It's insane. He's just incredibly gifted at his job. And the other one who I think, like, when it's all said and done, might be the greatest of all time will be Tyson Kidd, T.J. Wilson. I mean, he is one of my dear best friends in the whole world, but his passion and his mind for the business is, like, unparalleled. There's no reason that, you you know, when your wrestling career finally does end in 30 years or whatever you want it to end, there's no reason that you can't work as a producer full time. No, I, I, I it's something I would love to do but like i said before being in the ring and being a pro wrestler is such a privilege yeah. and uh you know what i've been really you know what's really inspired me in the past year is seeing uh dustin rhodes and chris jericho at their age still perform at like a ridiculously top level so it's like 
I'm 15 years younger than these guys. So like, I'm not even close to done. You're if only I'm, halfway through. You know, if, I, if I put in the work like they have, you know, to stay on top and to stay, you know, physically active, I can do it, you know? The thing about that blows me away about Jericho is, of course, he takes care of himself, but he also still parties like the literal rock star. <laughs> well, that's a different story, but yeah, he. Uh, but I think it's like on top of his ring work, it's it's his mind for staying relevant and you know, and just uh, kind of just having his finger on the pulse at all times, and he's done that for thirty something years, much less just you know in the past year. So it's yeah. if you. If you want to do it, it could be done. You just got to put in the work and, you know, the, to make it happen. Just like anything else. I always say if someone out there is doing the same thing that you want to do, that just means it's possible that you can do it too. Exactly, yeah. When you look back on both runs in WWE, does it kind of bother you that you didn't have a you know, full-on singles run that led to some sort of championship? Uh, not really because um, I had some pretty special moments. I've done some, like, incredible things and just... I don't know, to sit back and harp like on something like that. Maybe one day I'll start thinking like that. I mean, I think like right now is the time. Matt and I have decided that we're only going to take tag. We like tagging, but we don't want that to be our thing. Like, you know, if uh, the Rock and Roll Express or the Headbangers want to work with us, like that's worth it. You know, like you're 100% do that. Like that's, you know, dream scenarios. I think I think the American males answered our challenge on Twitter. So I'm looking forward to making that a reality. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah. So things like that are very exciting. But I think now, like I said, I, the prime of my career, I'm, I'm unreal healthy for somebody who's been doing this for 16 years at a full-time schedule like I have. And, I, and like I said, my career was stifled in these seven-minute main event matches. And now I can go out there and make these towns, do 25-minute barn burners, show people that I'm one of the most fucking talented wrestlers in the whole world. you know. And I believe that in my heart and in my mind and my confidence. And I've had the... Yeah experiences to, to back it up and i'm ready to prove that you know yeah I'm so we fucking excited when you talk about those highs and those lows what what is the one moment that you look back on and you go man that that's what that's what makes it all worthwhile to me uh ending the streak like i said i had the patience and the foresight and the uh not being a mark for myselfness if that's even a thing to like just go with this just to go with this like i felt like it was something and it could be something and then the payoff, which I, I say to people all the time, in WWE, when you go to your hometown, you normally get like, you know, shot with sewage or something like, you know, not good things don't happen to you. I, I got to literally win the Raw Tech Championship with my best friend and my podcast partner and a guy I met at wrestling school. We were 18 year, years old in our hometown. Uh, it was just like such a cool payoff that I never even imagined. So the, yeah. sen- the, the sentimental aspect of that, that takes a cake. Yeah, well, let's dive into that for a minute. Well, tell me about the day. Take me back to the day when you and Zack Ryder met for the first time. And did you instantly go, all right, we're going to be best friends? No, not at all. We hate each other. We didn't hate each other, but we were very leery of each other because it was like wrestling's competitive. We saw somebody yeah. the same age, same height, same haircut. And we're like, uh, I don't like this dude. And we were very like standoffish with each other. Um, so somewhere along the lines, like wrestling figures broke the ice and that's been like you know the glue that's kept us together for all these years is our common obsession with collecting wrestling figures and that really like especially at that time you know the, the business was a little more protected and hardened and you weren't gonna just go wrestling school be like i'm 18 and i collect wrestling figures that's not something you're gonna just openly say out loud and you know room for all these new guys you know so somehow like that was like our little secret and our little hobby and that, that's what like broke the ice and really uh uh made a unit that, How'd that even come up for the first time? Did like did one of you bring a wrestling figure to to class or something? I don't. Um, I really don't. Know. I have no memory of like what the first moment was. I really don't. I don't know how we like figured it out because, like I said, it was like a little dark secret. We weren't just like openly telling each other. Um, there's a famous story that I'll, I'll retell here. If people haven't heard it, I know you get a lot of views, and people might want to hear this. So. WrestleMania 20, obviously, was in Madison Square Garden. Another thing is Matt, Matt and I grew up from each other, like 15 minutes from each other uh, in Long Island. And we attended an insane amount of the same shows at the Coliseum, the Garden, autograph signings. Like, there's so many times we're, like, in the proximity of each other, you know, throughout our lives until we actually met. So WrestleMania 20 um, is right before we met. Uh, it was March 2004 at the Garden. Big event. 
And Jax, who made the WWE figures at the time, made a set of six guys commemorating the show. It had WrestleMania 20 packaging. The guys were in the outfits that they wore at the show. Um, so at the time, we were going to the same uh, summer school, like a college or whatever. And we were taking classes. And my buddy found them at Toys R Us. And he called me that morning and he goes, hey, man, I found a case of them. So a case, there's a set of six. There's two sets and there's those 12 guys. He goes, I took six, a set for me. There's another set. I hid them old school Toys R Us style in the rafters for you. <laughs> so I'm like, okay, cool. So I'm just meeting Matt. We're becoming friends, like barely know each other, but we know we're going to be a tag team and like, you know, something's going on. So I call him. This is before class. He had, we, had class we had two different classes, but at the same time. I said, hey, man, my buddy just called me. I know you're looking for these figures. They're red hot. Like no one had seen them yet, like in, you know, in the store. And I said, uh, obviously, there's only one set, but, you know, I'll split it with you. Like I get three and you get three and then we'll piece together the rest some other time. But at least it's a start, you know, for both. of just, oh, cool, man. Thanks so much. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, yeah. So we go to class, you know, 90 minutes later, we both race over to Toys R Us. We meet in the parking lot. We go in, dig into the rafters, nothing, no figures. So I'm just like, man, I guess someone, you know, that's the oldest trick in the book. You're like, whatever, someone found them, yeah. you know, we'll find them soon, whatever. He's like, okay, yeah, no problem. I have no idea why, but two or three years later, on a drunken night, he admits to me that when I called him that day, he hung up the phone, called his dad, and goes, Dad, can you go to Toys R Us and get this whole set of figures that's in the rafters? No. <laughs> yeah, behind my back. And then I don't know if, like, the guilt was eating him alive or whatever, that he just randomly, drunkenly told me years later that that's what he did the fact that he played <laughs> along though and went to the store and went oh i, can't I know i know there. yeah that's like the real like this guy is something wow wrong. yeah that's, a, that's like a total heel move Jeez. yep like a real so, life heel yeah so have you started to think about uh who who your character is going to be who brian myers is going to be when you can step foot into a ring again i have thought of that but i think with with the Major Wrestling Figure podcast and how, like, and even the way I'm being with you right now, just, I have nothing to hide, man. I just, I lay it all out there. Like, I am who I am. I, I don't think at this point me becoming, you know, the boogeyman is really on the table. You know, people, like, I've bared my soul on this show and our fans are so, they're so committed and so loyal that, like, I just think Brian, with that pro wrestling volume turned up, is all I really need to be at this point. You know, I, I've been doing this too long. You know, people know who I am and what I'm about. They know my, you know, I always think like storylines in television where someone's dating so-and-so when you know that like, okay, they're on Instagram with their family. Like, it's just, it doesn't make sense anymore in this day and age of pro wrestling, you know? So I think who I am and what I'm doing is like, you know, just with that volume turned is all it needs to be. I just think you're so underrated in the ring. And Thanks, man. It's been so long since we've actually been able to see what you can do actually I, what was the last time can you think back to the last match where you really had a chance to go out there and I, leave it all in the ring i don't think i had that opportunity in wwe because like i said i was playing that you know the losing streak role which obviously you're not really gonna have barn burners with people you know i never had besides mania actually my last match was the kickoff on pay-per-view besides that i don't think i had any other pay-per-view appearances where like you know the time was allotted um we, we had a couple with like revival and the ooses where we were given two segs on raw and maybe maybe the viking raiders once or twice but like that, that opportunity just really wasn't there so we'd so, have to take it back to 2015 maybe you know some indie matches that you were oh for sure in the indies i mean i went all over the place you know uh aiw in cleveland i did pwg i did alpha one in canada Beyond in Rhode Island, like places like that where I got to really just kind of, I, I saw Slater on your show where he was like, man, I just want to, I want to fly like a bird. Be free. <laughs> like you know, birds, bird. you know, birds that fly. That's me. Yeah. I, you know, that's where you, you know, you get the chance to just open up creatively. I actually told Deep that on the phone. I said, dude, man, once you get out there and you realize this isn't a seven minute main event match and, you know, people are chanting your name and it's like riding a bike and you remember, you know, you're going you're gonna to feel like a million bucks, man. But where's the balance, though, between making, you know, 500 bucks, 1000 bucks, whatever your rate happens to be on the indies and doing it in front of the 500 people that are there or going out there and making the six figures in WWE, but not having those long matches? Where, where's the balance there? I think if and I kind of said it before, if I didn't have the podcast as my like creative outlet, 
yeah. I would have just went kind of nuts in this last run, you know. But um, thank God Matt had the idea and it took off and became a whole other thing of its own, you know, pretty wildly successful and fun and satisfying. So I think if I didn't have that, that that some of that would get real old, man, big time. We when I especially when I when I first came back to Boys Night, we called it the live events I did for the first two plus years. We we called it the Jabroni Tag. There was always a there was always like an eight man or sometimes a ten man with just whoever's left over basically and like you're you're getting in there for one spot and getting out you know it's harder to put your boots and gear on than it is to actually perform so uh, that I, that that that's the fine line you know I, I was making more money than I ever made in my career more money than I ever could have imagined you know in pro wrestling so like and, and again like it's not real you know I'm not really losing I'm not really this you know. I'm, I'm playing my role in this film, you know. I'm not one of the Ninja Turtles. I'm a foot soldier. It is what it is. It's still a spy, like a like a putty in uh, in Power Rangers. Yeah, and you explode. Except I didn't get hurt that often, so no. <laughs> Are we going to be seeing a Return of the Cane? No. You know what? Uh, I was so I, the Cane stemmed from me being the biggest Brian Pillman mark, and I love. Lights out, ECW debut, and he's in there with the cane, which is a shoot because he got in a car accident. But I just thought it looked so cool, this dude with the cane. And uh, I was like gung ho and like getting it over. And like, I feel like I have, like, people finally, like, I never really got to use it the way I wanted to, you know, like cheap shot people and things like that. Like, it could have been more, but I got like action figures that come with it and people associated with me with it. When last year, when they put Zach and I back together on television, I guess Vince did something like, I really want them to be taken seriously. So uh, he was forbidden to do the woo-woo and broski and all that. And then he said, no more cane for me. And I was like, you know what? The most powerful man pro wrestling said, no more cane, no more cane. So it was a good run. It was a good run. And I really just ripped myself by traveling all over the world with it, which was an unreal pain in the ass, but I did it. Yeah. Yeah, that that counts as your carry-on, right? Oh, no, I mean... I hate to admit this, but a lot of times I'd have to almost like work it and pretend like it was something I really needed or they would take it. I can't just be like, I have this cane as a prop. They'd be like, well, you can't travel with this. I'd have to like kind of like Yoda onto the plane a couple of times. So like, you know, I could just get to TV with my stupid cane. I want to ask you about wrestling figures. Obviously, my knowledge of it is uh, extremely small, but basic things here. How many wrestling figures do you have? Because I'm sure you've counted. Of you, I mean, of you. Oh, of myself? Um, quite a few. Uh, in the teens, high teens, I would say. Impressive. Yeah. We, so we have yeah. a, I'm pretty blown away, and it's something that I just sit back and reflect on. We have almost like a Legends figure coming out, and it's Edge, and it comes with my head and Matt's head. And you could just the heads. The, the, the idea, the marketing idea behind it is that you have to buy three, and you, you know, can uh, have the Edge and his Edge heads from that run, and it's, it's labeled under the flashback packaging so like essentially we have like legends figures coming out which i was like that's kind of mind-blowing that i've been doing this long enough to have something like that yeah i'm glad you brought up edge what do you think was the biggest takeaway that you got from working with him uh i tell people man that year uh, we got matt and i got to watch in my opinion 2008 he is the best wrestler in the whole world five tool player hands down best pro wrestler in the whole world and he's the world champion, and we got to watch him day in, day out, from the best seats in the house, yeah. study and learn, and literally sit in the back, you know, in a circle with him and Undertaker, call a match, and then go out and do it. Like, how invaluable is that learning experience? Like, who else has done that in their career? You know, and that's the kind of experiences that uh, we got to have, and it was for almost a year straight. You know, so it was like seeing what it takes to be the WWE champion and uh, be good at it and be successful. I mean, it's just totally invaluable and then um beyond that and you kind of touched on it before you know in the business you know you love when you're a kid and it's so innocent and then you get involved and there's all these other aspects and it's like there's been for sure people that i've idolized that you meet and they're the biggest letdown ever and it's like holy smokes but then when you meet guys that you idolize and marked out for and then they're the fucking coolest guys ever like edge yeah then it's like you can't beat that feeling you know what i mean so and he's he's been just the man and we still call him uncle adam always in contact with him i always ask him for advice and things like that you know uh and really he took a chance on matt and i and he had no clue who we were man it was just a dumb pitch we threw against the wall and he literally saved our careers but i mean when you think about that pitch like here's a guy who's a main event player and you're basically saying hey can we 
kind of be your lackeys. To, and our, that, that is definitely like shooting for the stars. It was wild. And he had no reason to say yes, like whatsoever. Why do you think he did? I don't know. I, I, don't, I don't know, man. And our relationship with him at the time was hello and goodbye. Like we, we didn't know him. Like it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. A career, career altering uh, decision that he made, you know, and I, I think Matt said it like, if, if that doesn't happen, we're probably gone in like, oh, seven, oh, eight at some point, you know, and our, our careers are a completely different path. Yeah. yeah. And that was back, that was back in the old WWE days of like zero strikes, man. You, know, you got, you got zero strikes and you're so. How surprised were you when? Obviously, you found out he was going to make his return before he showed up at the Rumble. But, you know, when that when that started, you know, that that the word started getting out about that. How surprised were you? Um, like I, he let me in on some of the stuff. So I wasn't that surprised. Um, I, I was surprised, like, that his neck had healed that enough to do something like that. I didn't even think that was on the table. So, I mean, it's amazing. You know, I think it's cool that his daughters will get to see him perform and stuff. I think that's a lot of my motivation. Like, I want my kids to see me wrestle and see me wrestle at a high level, you know, so that it's not just something they live with, you know, on the network or, you know, in photographs. Yeah. Well, what if your daughters one day want to follow in your footsteps and become wrestlers? I'd be all for it, man. They, you know, women's wrestling is incredible these days. I mean, the opportunity. I mean, I trained Chris Statlander, uh, who's one of my, I, I, before Chris came along, I used to say like, nobody's my favorite student. You know, I, I like you all equally, but I just go, guys, Chris is my favorite. Don't even bother. She's the best. She's, she's my favorite student of all time. So I, I think, uh, women's wrestling, it just keeps getting, you know, to new heights. Uh, so if that's something that she thinks is cool and is passionate about, I'm going to be, I'll be all for it. When Chris walked in, were you like, she's got it. Like, she's going to be great. Um, great. I don't know, but I knew like, that she was gifted like athlete because she wasn't a fan. She wasn't really a wrestling fan. She kind of just kind of discovered it very late, but she was just very gifted athletically where I was like, okay, like this could be something here for sure. Who else, uh, you know, that has trained with you that we might see elsewhere? Uh, I have a lot of talented guys. Like I'm just so proud of the school and uh, the camaraderie that exists at creative pro. You know, we, if someone's got a bad attitude or just doesn't fit, we go, you know, you don't need your money, like hit the bricks, you know? Hmm. So, but, uh, I've seen who's been with me from day one named Max Caster. I think that people are going to start to see once wrestling returns, um, places, obviously MJF is, uh, one of, one of my guys. Yeah. I'm sure you heard him. So Pat Buck and I'm pretty proud of him and what he's done as well. Um, there's just too many to name. I don't want to leave anyone out, but like, it's just a great place. It's, it's, it's my happy place. You know what I mean? I've always wanted to own a ring and, you know, I, it's like my little playground. And then I've surrounded myself with all these other like-minded and passionate people, you know, and it's a Pat Buck and I've really protected it. It's a special place. For someone who might be listening and you know they're ready, they're ready to get in the ring and start training when they're able to, and they live in your area. How is it set up there? Do you do it like, is it a couple times a week? Is it, you know, intensive? Yeah. Uh, well, now that Pat and I both uh, don't have, uh, weekly jobs. The, the schedule will probably be a little different, but we were on like a regular Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, my day, his day, and then sometimes an optional class on Sunday. But um, I always still got like we have set time for the beginners classes and like open ring where you know there's there's veterans in the area like VSK and guys like that you've heard of uh, that come and work out and you know, there's always somebody around you know the MJF obviously and stuff. Um, I lost my train of thought there for a second. <laughs> Uh, like, you know, I recently went to Sean Spears and Tyler Breeze's wrestling school flatbacks, and they're basically saying this is an eight-week intensive thing, and by the end of the eight weeks, you'll be ready to work a match. Okay, so we don't do that at all. We have a two-year minimum. Okay, wow. And sometimes at the end of the two years, if we don't think you're ready, we don't graduate you. So you have a two-year minimum that we need to, because like, I just feel like for me and Pat to put our stamp on you, say like we train this person. You know, I, we could say that, and then I, we could never see you again, and then you're going all over. Tell people, you know, maybe you're acting like a dipshit or whatever. And then it's like, it, it reflects on us, you know? So we don't do that. Uh, you got to at least put the two years in and then we put the stamp on you. Hmm. So uh, what I always say is, it's just like a regular gym. If you sign up to a gym and you don't go and lift weights, you're not going to gain muscle. You're not, you know, this, this is the same exact thing. You pay us, you come, you put in the work, you come three, maybe four days a week, 
you know, you're going to excel in pro wrestling. It's just like, it's like anything else in life. If you put in the work to get better, you will, because we'll always be here. The doors will always be open. The opportunity to learn is going to be plentiful. It's just wrestling is, has to be in your heart. It has to be in your mind. And you, when you walk out of that building, you can't just not be thinking about it, man. It has to consume you. And that, that's what's going to make people great. That's, a, that, that's what separates, you know, the, uh, the weekend warrior, which is totally fine. You know, there's people I equate it to like my, my high school buddies playing softball. Like that's fun. It's just something they do. And they're not trying to get to the major leagues. You know, it's just like a recreational thing they do. That's totally fine. But uh, if you're trying to be to excel at this, you got to put in the work. Yeah. But that, I, that's with anything. That's with whatever you're hundred percent. Yes. So if someone walks in your door and says, I want to be a pro wrestler, what are you looking for in them? Um, I've learned from being a coach, like not to judge a book by its cover. Cause I've had guys that I literally looked at the first thing and was like, Oh boy. And then they're still there. And there's some of the hardest working guys I have. And like, hmm. they're talented and, you know, and then there, there's, you know, been the other case where it's like, Oh God, you know, I've had, man, there, I got, we could do a whole nother interview on like, you know, the, the walks of life that have just come in there that still somehow like think wrestling is completely fake or just like. I've had a dad go like, okay, so he signs up and then when's he on Raw? And like, that was like a real question. And I'm like, no. staring at the guy like, like this is 2019, like you have the internet and all these things at your fingertips to at least get some kind of understanding of what you're getting into here or whatever. Or like, I've had a kid come in and go like, yeah, I saw online that the, uh, the ring's just a trampoline and he smacked it as he said it and then he felt the wood and it's like, you could see like, like he saw a ghost, you know? And I'm just like, oh boy, you know? And there's some people like, you know, they come in and they're so disrespectful or so like aloof and I know they don't belong. That's when I'm like, that's it. And I'll crank like the Metallica and we have this hard ass practice and I'll never see them again. I know that, you know, but that, yeah. that there's way more of those than an MJF that walks in the door. And you just got to understand that that's what's going to happen. You know, what do you think's the biggest misconception? That it's not hard work for some reason. But I think, huh. you know, they use the F word fake for wrestling, like fake is, Wrestling is fake in the sense that it's, you know, scripted television, but like the, the athleticism and, the, you know, the conditioning and things like that are like very, very, very real. So I, uh, I don't know why that I hate that wrestling gets that bag sometimes, you know, that rap. I trained in Toronto. I went to the squared circle many, like when I was in college, I didn't finish training cause I ended up finishing my college degree. Okay. The thing that blew me away the most was how much running the ropes hurt like that. Oh yeah. That was like when you first do that, you're like, oh, these things aren't bouncing at all. I, I'm also dreading that because like I said, I haven't been on, I've been out of the ring for so long. Normally you're like kind of calcified and hardened. And that's like, that wouldn't bother me a couple of months ago. But now I feel like my first time back, I'm going to be, it's going to be like literally like starting all over again. You're like, oh God. Are you going to get bruised up again? You think? Oh, I think for sure because it's been wow. so long. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, I think it's uh, before we wrap this up, I just want to know how you became a Mets fan. Uh, they're not very good. What? Are, are you a baseball fan? I'm a baseball fan. What, what's your team? Uh, Blue Jays. Okay. I mean, Blue Jays are a very, uh, cool up and coming team now. I mean, they got like young, young studs. Yeah. That's um, kind of the case every year. Uh, just, uh, it was weird. Like when I was a kid, I kind of didn't really have like Mets or Yankees. I liked them both. Oh, but my, okay. But my favorite player was Mike Piazza. And I think that's cause he just, the long hair, the beard, he looked like this cool pro wrestler dude. And he just had so much swag, I guess. And I really like took him. I'm like, this guy rules. Then he gets straight to the Mets. And I'm like, that's, that's fate. Like, and I just went all in from that moment on, you know, as a diehard Mets fan. So I, uh, I'm not so always I, the easiest, but it's worth it. When, when it's I, I grew up playing baseball. Now my dad and I travel to a different baseball stadium every single year. And oh, awesome. My, I, uh, we haven't been to City Field yet. Really? I love yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I'm biased as hell, but I think City Field's really fun. We've um, been to 22 stadiums, but City Field's not one of them. Nice. I have a little, uh, it's over there. I have a chart, and you can like lotto ticket scratch off where you've been. Have you seen yeah. that? Yeah. So it has all the stadiums, and I've, I had a bunch of stuff lined up this year. I'm kind of sad that I'm not going to get oh. to do it. But uh, yeah, I take my dad to opening day uh, every year to City that's Field. Awesome. So, so that's our thing. But yeah, I'm trying to get to all 30 as well. So if we take the bias out of this, you know, I, I'll take Rogers Center out. You take City Field out. Mm -hmm. What's the best uh, baseball stadium? I mean, Rogers Center isn't even in the conversation, so you didn't have to do that. Yeah, terrible stadium. Yeah. <laughs> I'll put it out there. Well, yeah. Uh, my favorite. 
Man, I was pleasantly surprised with Kansas City. I went last year. It was like a lot of fun, a lot, very family oriented and like so much to do. It was a beautiful day. Um, man, my absolute, I, I don't want to pick like Fenway or Wrigley because I just feel like that's so typical because they're, yeah, they're, they're the really, best though. But they're so old school, you know, that, that when asked this question, I feel like that's the common answer. Yeah. I don't know, man. It's tough. Well, I think that, I think you can break it up into two, you know, what's your favorite old school and what's your favorite? Yeah. You know? I, I like big modern stadiums where it's like fun and interactive and, you know, because I'm just such a baseball fan. Have you been to Milwaukee? That's like, I think, number one on my list that I haven't been to. It is beautiful. Yeah. Stupid, yeah. stupid little Hornswoggle. He hates baseball and knows nothing about baseball. And he's thrown out the first pitch there like seven times. Did and it I've make never, play? I, I, that I don't know. But I've never been there. And I'm like, God, you've been there that many times and done that? Sucks. That stadium blew me away of all of them. Um, all right. Well, I think it was perfect timing there to bring the mug back up to plug uh, the major um, – Wrestling Figure Podcast. There it is. Yeah. Major. Wrestling Figure Podcast. I'll put yeah. the link down below. Brian, it's been great hanging out with you. Thanks, man. Thanks for talking to me. I uh, I was thinking, I was like, when, I don't know if we've ever met, but we. I think I met you in the lobby yes. in passing when you were interviewing Ziggler. Yes. And that's I all I could think of. So when I met uh, Zach Ryder was the lobby of the hotel the Saturday night before Mania in Dallas. So it was WrestleMania 32. And it was like me and Ziggler and Zack Ryder. And I think I met you for like three seconds in that moment. I, I think it's the Mania when I was with WWE and you were talking to Ziggler in the lobby. Because that Mania, I would have been at the WrestleCon yeah, hotel. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm glad that we got to hang out for him. Hey, man. It was fun. Yeah, I appreciate let's, it. Let's do this in person sometime. I, I like talking about wrestling if you, if you can tell. I could, I could just a little yeah. bit. Tell, yeah. I'll, I'll, let's do this in person. I'll I'll come to Creative Pro sometime. Yeah, I want to I want to. What do you? <laughs> what are your interviews? I saw. What are you sitting on like a park bench with Rhino interviewing? Let's do that. Yeah, we could do that. <laughs> <laughs> Old Terry. I, or maybe I just want to sit on a park bench with Terry and talk. Yeah, Rhino owns a marina. Yes, I know. I'm very big daddy's boat owner. I'm very very yeah. uh, very well aware of it. Yeah. Uh, well, thanks again. Cool, man. Thank we'll you. See what's next for you. Appreciate it. Well, there you have it, my friends. And I, I, I didn't expect that we'd end this one talking about baseball stadiums, but I do love the tradition that my dad and I, Dirk Van Vliet and I, have going to different MLB stadiums every year. I'm not sure if we're going to be able to continue that this year, though. We might have to hit pause on it since they might not be playing baseball in front of fans. But I'd love to hear what your favorite baseball stadiums are because we listed off a few of our favorites there. Um, if you enjoyed this chat as much as I did, Share it with a friend or, or better yet, take a screenshot, tag me at Chris Van Fleet, tag Brian. He's at Myers underscore wrestling. And you can find the major wrestling figure podcast with Matt Cardona, a.k.a. Zach Ryder on YouTube or wherever you're listening to this right now. And I have no doubt that Brian's going to leave his mark on wrestling as soon as he can start getting booked again. And I, I just think there's going to be such a huge resurgence in indie wrestling and just wrestling as a whole when everything does open back up and everything you know does start getting back to normal here. And, and like I mentioned in our chat, I, I could definitely see him working full time as a WWE producer once, you know, he decides that his in-ring career is done in 10, 15, 20 however many years from now. He has such a great mind for wrestling and just such a, a passion for life. John Dryden said it best. We first make our habits, then our habits make us. That's good. Mm. I got to tell you, it was so exciting this past weekend. Restaurants here in Cincinnati opened back up and I went out and had my first beer in public for the first time in over two months. Got to tell you, that was the most <laughs> delicious beer I've ever had. Yeah, it was so good. Um, I hope that you're doing well. I hope that you and the family are safe and healthy. And uh, we've got some great interviews coming up in the next few weeks. So we will see you soon.